Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia. WinBet is now live in all these states, and the excitement of Win Las Vegas has finally landed in online sports betting and casino play. From boosted parlays to live in-game odds on every major sport, WinBet gives you the tools to win. Sign up today for your risk-free $1,000 sports bet. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com to start winning. Blue Wire. It's exciting to win money. Back out to Allen. History final. Is there anything you don't gamble on? Uh, not really. Gambling gods, fickle bunch. Oh, yeah. So easily offended. Gambling's not your problem. You're just an idiot. And we welcome you into Full Slate, a Blue Wire gambling podcast. My name is Greg Frank. You can find me on gambling Twitter at Undercover Greg. At G underscore Frank six for the rest of my sports takes and whatever else I want to throw out there. Uh, at Alex underscore up seven is my partner in crime. His name is Alex Uplinger. Also manages the podcast Twitter at full underscore slate underscore pod. It is NFL week 13 as we are one game through and a rather disappointing Thursday night game. If you just like competitive football as it's 24, 10 Buffalo goes to Foxborough and beats the Patriots. And Alex, I don't know about you, but uh, I kind of woke up today thinking, okay, this could be a juicy Thursday nighter AFC East clash two teams in the playoff hunt. And uh, new England did not deliver. And we talked about it before we jumped on, obviously a lot of problems uh, on the offensive end for the Patriots. It's been that way most of the season. Yeah, that team is in absolute shambles. I was really hoping for a competitive game. I like the Bills. I wish I'd bet more. I got a little freaked out by that line movement. I saw a ton of action coming in on the Bills and it moved two points against them from five and a half to three and a half. And, you know, just Home divisional dogs is something we always preach. Uh, I was I was definitely a little weary that that Patriots offense is just broken, and I thought their defense was really overvalued coming into that game. You know, they looked great against Zach Wilson and the Jets, and against Ellinger and the Colts, but then you know got kind of exposed last week against the Vikings, and I think that probably also that game speaks to how bad. And just overvalue the Vikings are, especially with that defense. If they can make the Patriots look super confident, then you're you're doing something really wrong. Yeah, that's that's a good point about Minnesota. And you know, I know they did win at Buffalo, but uh, there was a stat after they got clobbered by Dallas just before Thanksgiving that they were nine or eight and two at that point, nine and two now. But eight and two with a negative point differential, which was crazy. So, um, yeah, we'll get to actually. That's that's a perfect segue as it is our first game. As uh, we are back after uh, a week hiatus, uh, stars didn't quite align over the Thanksgiving holiday to jump on and uh, run through the rotation. But uh, Alex, I take it real quick. It was good Thanksgiving. I know you were you live in the DMV, but all the folks and family are in uh, Western PA. You're able to get back there. Yeah, I did a little 
little circuit of Pennsylvania. I went up to Hershey, and then I took the turnpike across to Pittsburgh for the uh, rest of the weekend. Went to a Penn's Maple Leafs game where the Penguins got absolutely fucking smashed. I just every game I attend, they seem to lose. Still, now, in Hershey to Pittsburgh is I'm gonna guess about three hours. Yeah, three three and a half. Take okay. your turnpike the whole way. Yeah. I hope uh, traffic wasn't too bad. No, this was like a weird time on Friday traveling to a lot of people, you know, not, okay. not on the road traveling. Thanksgiving in Hershey and then night over in Hershey and then drove to Western PA. Pittsburgh area went Friday. Yeah, exactly. What was that? Now, what's that drive like uh, from Northern Virginia to Hershey? Is that two and a half, three? Yeah, exactly. And then Pittsburgh back here is about four, four and a half. So that was a okay. little brutal Sunday morning race. So what? And get back about what, nine point. hours of driving that you did? Yeah, give or take. It was yeah. quite quite the trip. Yeah, a lot of a lot of podcast listening. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well. I'm uh, glad you're able to enjoy it, and uh, you know, Christmas. So, what are the Christmas plans? Any any on the docket yet? Yeah, I think probably something similar, a mixture similar. of okay. Pittsburgh and Hershey. What about you? I assume you'll be going home for Christmas again. As yeah. Well. well, okay. So actually, um, went back for uh, uh, Thanksgiving, but uh, I don't know if I told you this, and I certainly don't think I said it on here. But uh, my sister married a British guy in 2017, and. Um, we oh, that's right you did mention that okay my brother and i visited and went to wimbledon in the summer of 2019 uh but we were kind of talking about it with uh my mom and dad and, and they weren't able to go they went later on in 2019 like in the fall or something and we said well you know we haven't spent christmas together with everybody and uh since uh, before my sister got married and it was 2016, the last time. So we were we were talking about it in the summer when I was back, and we were saying, well, let's uh, why not not why don't we do Christmas in London? And uh, that Man, kind of awesome. idea took off, and uh, that's the plan. So gonna fly uh, from where I live now, Houston, to Philly, and meet up with them at the Philly airport, and then uh, fly Philly to London with them. So that's the plan, and I'll be there for a you're week. Gonna, you're gonna have to. Check out the Premier League schedule. I know the soccer around Christmas time is huge. Yeah, you know, Fox, I was looking Fox at that. Tickets that. are just a nightmare to get. Like, it's not like America where you can just go on StubHub or go on the club websites and order tickets. Like, there's all this, like, membership stuff you have to go through. It's, like, pretty exclusive. So, um, uh, yeah, like lotteries and stuff. Yeah, exactly. Like, and fortunately, I guess Wimbledon's big enough where you can just go on the secondary market and and pay whatever you need to pay, and that's what we did. But um, yeah, I'm not sure. Actually, I, I I it was one of those things where, and I know the World Cup's going right now, and I, I, admittedly, I've kind of only watched the U.S. games, but um, not a huge soccer person. So it was like, well, if I can do this at a reasonable cost, I'll do it, but I won't bend over backwards for it. Yeah, no, not a not a huge soccer guy myself, but admittedly, I have been watching like every fucking World Cup game, mainly just because it's on during work. And, well, and, and I, yeah, I got to be honest, like the, sweats, I, I don't know if you you might maybe you were driving during the uh, the England game then since you said you were on the road Friday, but it worked out great on Friday 
uh, being back home. And, you know, I had some high, I had caught wind on Thanksgiving Eve of some a high school friend group that I did not see on Thanksgiving Eve. But somebody I did see who knows that friend group said, hey, uh, they're going into Center City. You haven't seen them in a while uh, for, uh, you know, in, in, they got this good soccer bar in Philly to watch the England game. And the, the slot was great because that game Friday was like yeah, 1 p.m. Eastern. I think they started. So it, it worked out well. And, and we get a really good slot here on Saturday, too, against the Dutch with uh, the late morning kick right before all the college football. So uh, you know, oh, when you add that time day. slot element of it, why not? Right. Yeah. Yeah, Saturday is gonna be a gonna be a long day. I'm already planning on going out to a bar Saturday morning for it. So wish me luck. All right, let's get back on track. You mentioned the Minnesota Vikings. They're our first game in the rotation as uh, we go to the Great North, where the Vikings look to uh, make it back-to-back victories after losing to Dallas a couple of weeks ago. Uh, this is an interesting game as the Vikings welcome in the New York Jets, a pair of uh, potential playoff teams, certainly in Minnesota's case, looking very likely. And uh, the Jets in the wild card mix firmly. And I think the matchup with uh, potential defensive rookie of the year, Sauce Gardner up against uh, Justin Jefferson will have a lot of people's attention uh, and we're seeing the Jets catching three. Uh, you lay a dollar fifteen if you want the Jets at DraftKings. Total of four forty-four and a half. Um, and Alex, I got to be honest. I, I think you mentioned it. It's Jets or pass. I agree. I think the quarterback change is a good thing for the Jets. And you know, we saw that. You and to your point, we saw the Minnesota defense make the New England offense last week look uh, surprisingly competent. And so, um, I, I think. I don't know that it's going to be 31 points for the Jets like it was last week against Chicago, but I definitely think the Jets can move the ball. Uh, I definitely think uh, Mike White can find Garrett Wilson and Elijah Moore and those young playmakers, and uh, they can move the ball through the air here, at least would be my expectation with it looks like Michael Carter not going to go. Obviously, Brees Hall uh, has been out for the year for quite a while now for Gang Green, but uh, I think the Jets would be the side. Uh, it is one o'clock Eastern time, Kirk Cousins, uh, who you never want to step in front of, uh, but it's Jets or pass for me. Yeah, I haven't quite gotten there yet, but I think I ultimately will come Sunday. Maybe see if this gets to three in the hook come Sunday. I, I doubt it, but you know, something to keep in mind. My biggest concern here would be Mike White on the road. But I do think that uh, that Vikings defense can alleviate that some. They just are not very Does good. Mike they don't just God the rest of the season. Uh, absolutely. I, I think after that press conference, Wilson's pretty much done in New York. I don't know how you salvage that. It'll be interesting if, I mean, you would think there will be some kind of redemption reclamation project for him a la Carson Wentz Indianapolis Baker Mayfield Carolina Jameis Winston New Orleans right yeah I just I just don't think it could be in New York right I mean that he had an absolute layup of a question all you have to say is yeah I, I let the defense down the offense needs to be better I need to be better person oh yeah that was terrible and he just says no like a fucking bitch <laughs> you can't just do that I mean the defense played out of their mind yeah you're the fucking problem dude they just slotted in a guy Mike right. White and he yeah. was yeah. like a world beater yeah no it's a great point so leans to the Jets in the first game in the rotation let's move forward 
and go from the NFC North to the AFC North, where the Baltimore Ravens are at home against the Denver Broncos. Denver catching eight and the hook on the road total of 39 and a half. And Alex, just another example of the ineptitude of one Nathaniel Hackett. Uh, I said in, before we jumped on that there was an interesting travel note on this game. It's not enough for me to lay the lumber with Baltimore, but I got to be honest, I wasn't surprised when I heard this. Denver plays last week in Charlotte against the Panthers. And, you know, not too far from you, obviously, uh, going through Virginia and you know up to Baltimore for this game. And what do they do? They, they go back to Denver <laughs> and they don't stay anywhere. And now they're back on the road this week uh, in, again, not that far from Charlotte, Baltimore. And, and, you know, of course, there's a story about Russell Wilson and Ciara throwing the birthday party and only half the team going. And I'm thinking to myself, wait a second, they, they never should have even been back in Denver. Like everyone does this stuff now when you have, um, you know, back to back road games in a similar region of the country. You just stay there. And I think we already I we already caught wind of the Dolphins doing this. They're uh, in the Bay Area this weekend against the 49ers. And then they're, I think, at SoFi. Yeah, that's right. It got flexed next week against the Chargers. So Nathaniel Hackett, again, that is just one of the latest reason of how he doesn't get it. Um, and you also have the Ravens, you know, situationally, I think it makes sense coming off of that loss to Jacksonville in which they let the game slip away. And, you know, that is a good point. If you're scared off by the number and we don't like laying big numbers, but with the Ravens, I do think it's fair to uh, kind of look at it and say, well, a lot of their losses have been games in which they've had nice leads in and they've let it slip away. So it's not as if they can't get up on teams. It's just a matter of being able to finish. And I certainly don't expect the Broncos to be able to rally if the Ravens are to, uh, you know, accumulate a lead here in this game. So uh, Denver's about as dead as it gets in the National Football League. Uh, you know, we had Carolina last week. And, uh, you know, I, I think that if you can't find a way to beat the lowly Panthers or even compete against the lowly Panthers, now you're facing a playoff team that's coming off of a loss that's going back home. It doesn't line up well for Denver. Uh, I, I think I'll still pass, but obviously leaning Baltimore. I think I'm going to have to pass as well. I just don't like this number, but there's no way you can look to the Broncos. Maybe a good way to look at it is. Ravens first half I just don't trust them to close out games against anyone I was looking to the total just 39 and a half is pretty scary um I did lay it the under with the uh Broncos and Panthers last week but that's obviously a way more inept offense than the Ravens who I think should be able to click some I did see that Broncos unders are 10 and 1 on the season, which makes sense. A really bad offense. And a really strong defense at the beginning of the year. They did trade away some guys. So not quite as dominant as they were to start the season. I think the only way I would look is Ravens first half and under. But I think I have to pass. Okay, let's stay in the AFC North where uh, your Steelers are on the road against the Atlanta Falcons. And uh, this game hovering around the dead zone, uh, the pick'em area, looks like DraftKings still hanging. Pittsburgh as a short one-point dog, total of 42 and a half. Atlanta got some bad news this week as Kyle Pitts is going to be out for the year. Now, 
in a weird way without Calvin Ridley all year. And obviously Ridley got traded at the deadline, but uh, Pitts has really not been as much of a focal point for the Atlanta offense as you would have expected. But nonetheless, uh, he is now done for the year with that knee injury. And Atlanta, obviously, I worry a little bit about the kind of get back up uh, effort for Atlanta, given the way last week ended where Mariota has a tip ball in the red zone in the final minute against Washington. It gets intercepted and they lose a game that they should have won. I wonder if that isn't necessarily kind of a straw that breaks the camel's back type of loss for the Falcons. And, you know, I look at Pittsburgh and, and Alex, I think the Steelers are interesting in terms of down the stretch. I'm not necessarily saying they're going to win out, but the schedule's pretty light for the Steelers. And I think we always know Mike Tomlin, we always talk about underdog Tomlin. And I guess at some shops, he's still a dog here. But I think we always know that his teams are going to play hard and they're not going to go away. And, you know, just because the first half of the year didn't go according to plan doesn't mean that they're going to throw in the towel on the season. And uh, the reason I bring this up, and I'm curious just from a Steelers fan perspective, if you agree, I think there's a chance Mike Tomlin still might be able to avoid that first losing season. At Atlanta, a pair of Ravens games at Carolina, Raiders and Browns. That's all that's left. If he can, he could still lose one to the Ravens and still manage to go nine and eight. And again, it's a pretty soft schedule. So if you can't tell, I'm leaning strongly towards the Falcons. Uh, But do you agree overall with the sentiment that the Steelers are going to kind of pick up some steam here towards the end of the season? Yeah, I can certainly see that. They seem to be clicking more on offense. Pickett obviously getting more comfortable with time. And that Pickett-Pickens combo is just absolutely lethal. I really like the Steelers in this spot. I grabbed a plus one. I'm seeing now it's minus one on MGM. But you mentioned it was still one on uh, DraftKings. I, I just really like the Steelers in this spot. Six in the NFL and average rushing yards allowed per game. That's something Atlanta does really well. Going to have to hold down Patterson. Last week against Jonathan Taylor, held him to 86 yards on the ground. Atlanta passing attack, not super strong. You mentioned a loss of pits is massive. And that's really the Steelers' biggest. Right, it's a secondary. I don't know that Atlanta can exploit that. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm thinking. I think Watt being back is just massive. I don't know if that's quite being accounted for yet because granted he's not really been super productive in terms of sacks he only has half a sack in his first three games back but he's obviously getting a ton of pressure falcons they're middle of the pack in the nfl they allow 2.3 sacks per game on average well, i think, you, this year you think get Watt better. feels better each week right exactly the healthier it gets more comfortable and yeah i think the steers are really take advantage of that Atlanta offensive line. And then one of the biggest things is the Falcons. They just don't generate much pressure at all. They uh, rank 31st in the NFL and average sacks per game, only 1.4 sacks per game, which is massive for a rookie quarterback with the offensive line. That isn't great. So the more time, the better. I think they can really exploit this Falcon secondary, which is also 28th in the NFL and average passing yards allowed per game. Really like the Steelers' offense, especially the passing game. Najee Harris might not go. I don't know if that's a huge concern. I think they're going to throw the ball a ton, and I really like their backup Warren out of the backfield. 
I think they're going to win this pretty easily. Yeah, no, you sold me. I'll definitely join you there. I was leaning pretty strongly towards the Steelers. So uh, some agreement there on the black and gold. Uh, Let's move forward and go to South Philadelphia, where the Eagles host the Tennessee Titans in one of the marquee games in the early window. Philadelphia is a four and a half, five point favorite at a lot of books right now. It looks like DraftKings hanging Philly minus four in the hook, total of 44. Alex, I love a good revenge game, and it is an A.J. Brown revenge game, so maybe you look at his props, but I do have to say uh, this is a spot that I think the Titans are are definitely a smash side here because, I, I, you know, I've obviously watched the Eagles every week, and there have been rightful concerns about Philadelphia against the run, and there's a reason they went out and uh, brought in Linval Joseph and Adama Kunsu. Jordan Davis activated for the practice window from IR, but we don't know if he's going to return in this game. And uh, I think that from a Tennessee standpoint, not only, you know, obviously if you can't run the ball or defend the run well, this isn't the best team to face. And, and Derrick Henry could be in line for a big game. And also um, Mike Vrabel as an underdog has just been uh, dynamite. 21 and seven as a dog of at least three points uh, in his against the spread that is uh, in his head coaching career. Uh, so uh, this is a I think a tier one coach in the National Football League. When you look at he's just able to milk every last ounce of production out of his rosters. They had no business being the number one seed last year, uh, and you know up until last week when they lost to Cincinnati. They were in contention for the number one seed in the AFC. Had they won that game, they'd be eight and three instead of seven and four. So bottom line here, it's a Titans team that is overachieving yet again. Uh, And I, I, as much as I think Nick Sirianni has done a good job, I still think there's a coaching advantage for the Titans here. And I think that schematically it could be a nice day for Derrick Henry, as I said, and you're going to give me more than a field goal here with the Titans team that figures to try and, slow the game down and shorten it, shorten it with fewer possessions and minimize Jalen Hurts and company. Uh, I think Tennessee's the side you have to look to. You nailed it. I'm, I'm convinced. I was certainly leaning that way. I'm just a little concerned about this line movement. I saw it open six and a half, four and a half. Granted, it's not the most key of numbers. You're still getting over the field goal in the hook. It's just a little weird. That number's just feels like they're begging me to take the Eagles. I think the Gardner Johnson loss in the secondary is going to oh, be yeah. massive. Point. Now they got that undrafted rookie free agent back there starting. And, you know, the, the Titans, they need all the help they can get in terms of beating the secondary. I think that's big. I, Obviously, Burke, since he got back healthy, has looked pretty good. Yeah, he has, which helps Tannehill a lot. I just think that that whole passing offense isn't isn't too scary. And I know the yeah. Eagles are one of the best secondaries in the NFL. They they stay getting uh, the quarterback props under passing yards. That might be something I look at. I do like the AJ Brown revenge angle. Um, granted, you know he got what he wanted. He got traded, so I don't know how much 
revenge there. He's probably perfectly happy to be on a, a contending. Well, I'll tell you, Alex, I think, uh, I, 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 you know, a lot of people that listen might like to sprinkle those first touchdown props. Couldn't you just see the Eagles taking a deep shot like first play? Oh, my God. The script is just yeah. right there, especially with this tech, the Tennessee secondary is, is atrocious. They're 31st in the NFL and average passing yards allowed per game. That would be my biggest concern with backing the Titans. I know the Eagles are going to want to run the ball a lot, and I think Dallas Goddard going down just really hurts their passing game a ton. But I can see A.J. Brown and Smith just going off on this Titans secondary. I can see it being really high scoring. I think I might look to the over more so than a side. 44 and a half feels feels way too low for this matchup. Yeah, that's a good point. All right, uh, let's move forward and uh, talk about a team – that the Eagles, whose head coach used to work for the Eagles, is the Jacksonville Jaguars traveled to the Motor City to take on the Detroit Lions. Uh, game sitting right around Pickham. Total is in the up or lower 50s, excuse me, looks like 51. And uh, Alex, I'm going to be honest, the Motor City Kitties have been good to me lately. Had them against Chicago, had them against the New York Giants, did not take them actually last week, did not have the Stones to take them. Uh, against Buffalo, but they covered that one as well. It's been four straight covers for Detroit. I mentioned those two games on the road against the Bears and the Giants. Prior to that, they had an outright win at home against the Green Bay Packers as a short dog. So there is definitely tangible progress being made for Dan Campbell. And I know a lot of people like to talk about, oh, well, the Lions play hard and there's effort. And and that's all great, especially when you're a first-year coach. But in your second year, you do want to see some more progress in the wins column. And they're starting to see that. And uh, so, uh, you know, by the way, something to keep an eye out on, not for this game, but it does seem like there's a chance their prized rookie receiver, Jamison Williams, comes back. Uh, at some point here down the stretch, adds another element to their offense. Uh, and I, I just think that of the non-playoff teams in the NFL right now, we're going to have a lot of positive things to say about the Lions uh, moving into 2023. And so, again, they've been good to me lately, so I don't see any reason to deviate at home extra time to prepare. They were at home on Thanksgiving, so they've been sleeping in their own beds for two weeks. Love that. And the bigger angle is just the situational spot is profiles great to fade Jacksonville. I mean, that was the game of Trevor Lawrence's young career so far last week, coming back in the fourth quarter against Baltimore. And, you know, then Tucker almost hits the 67 yarder or whatever it was. Uh, It was just a really good football game and, uh, you know, back and forth and, You know, if you were just watching Red Zone during the early window, you got a lot of that game because it started later. So the last 30 minutes or so of the late window was almost exclusively Jacksonville, Baltimore on your Red Zone channel. But how awesome uh, was that? Was that entire slate on paper when I looked at it just at the beginning of the week, looking at the slate looked like absolute shit. And it proved to be some of the best games. That Cleveland game, that comeback against Tampa. Chargers going for two at the very end. Just ended up doing a pick I mentioned. So there's a lot of good games last week. And I just think for a team like Jacksonville that's young and inexperienced, and we'll see about Travis Etienne and and where he's at. He had to leave that game last week. Uh, It's a good spot to fade him. I mean, you know, you get up with the big win against Baltimore. Now you got to go to Detroit. Like, is are they going to match that intensity? I don't think so. I'll take the Lions again at pick. Yeah, you convinced me. I, 
I definitely like this line. Seem a lot more at home. Big Jared Goff in the dome plays a lot better. I saw ETN was limited in practice today, foot injury, which are super tricky. And I believe that's what he was out with the entire year yeah, last well. year. Yeah, so that's super concerning. I don't imagine he's going to play, um, which is a huge, huge weapon. He's been awesome this season. Really surprising. Um, I think you have to look to Detroit in this spot. Super high total. Uh, I wouldn't I wouldn't fault anyone for, for looking towards the over with both of these defenses. I know Detroit is last in the NFL and points allowed per game. I can't imagine Jacksonville's that far behind. Both these defenses leave a lot to be desired. And both offenses have plenty of weapons. They just putting it all together in all phases. You know, I trust Pride Detroit to do that more so than I do Jacksonville. I would I would lay the short number at home. Another short number in the NFC East takes place in MetLife Stadium as the New York Giants are a home dog of two and the hook against the Washington Commanders, a total in this game of just 40. Uh, and Alex, this is going to be another one for me where, uh, first off, I think there's a bit of a rest advantage that I like to look at this time of year. Washington, one of uh, five or six teams that uh, has yet to have its bye week. And uh, we'll have the bye in week 14, which is now the latest you can have your bye under the 18-week schedule. Um, and so the commander is playing their 13th consecutive week of football. Uh, and then you have the Giants uh, off of the Thanksgiving game against the uh, Dallas Cowboys. So uh, they get a little extra time to prepare. And you also have the uh, commanders who are, are just a team like – we always talk about wanting to buy teams at the bottom of the market and sell teams at the top of the market. Well, this is the top of the market for the commanders. If you look at the way their season has turned around, uh, you know, really jolted by the quarterback change. But it actually started with a Thursday night ugly win in Chicago, 12-7, when Wentz was still the quarterback. Uh, and then Heineke comes in and beats the Packers, wins at Indy. Uh, they have a close loss against Minnesota, come right back and win by double digits in Houston. And then we mentioned that game last week, pretty emotional win in the closing minute against Atlanta. It, it just seems like the kind of the kind of time where uh, they would come back to earth a little bit. Uh, factor that in with, as I said, the rest advantage for the Giants uh, late by. I wonder if they're maybe just a little dinged up, nicked up, ready to you know have a week of rest. I think the Giants are definitely the side uh, seven and five commanders, seven and four Giants, and the commanders are laying nearly a field goal on the road. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. I'll take the Giants, and I also think the Giants are a great teaser leg if you are going to play teasers. I just don't see the commanders scoring enough, and if you want to use the Giants, get them up over the touchdown at home, I think it makes a ton of sense. This does feel like the absolute top of the market for the commanders. I would only look to the Giants. I don't really understand this line. We love home divisional dogs. I think these teams are coin flips. So are you saying New York has zero home field? I don't think that's the case. I'd say home field certainly isn't worth like three points like we used to think in the NFL a couple of years ago. But Yeah, and Alex, let's remember, point, it's maybe. New York and both the Jets and the Giants. If we want to talk about home fields. Those fans haven't had a lot of good football to watch the last five years. Don't you think a December home game with their teams in the playoff hunt? Like, that should be a good home field. Right, right. Should be absolutely rocking. 
I think this game should be more like the Giants favored by a field goal. I think right. this number is completely wrong. Uh, it's just it's super bizarre. I'll have to look to the Giants. I was also thinking the under. I saw Giants home unders are 16 and two in their last 18 games. We also always mention Daniel Jones as a dog, as a spot we like to back. Saw it in week one against the Titans. Now you're getting a home Ravens divisional beat. dog. Didn't they beat the Titans? No, the they did it. Oh, that they was on the road. Right, right, right. Yeah, just now you're getting a, a home divisional dog in a game that I would say is way more a coin flip. Getting two and a half. I really like the teaser angle as well. I don't really play him, but to get the Giants up over a touchdown, you can get them at eight and a half. Maybe look to the Ravens at two and a half. Sure. Yeah, I think that's a great, great teaser look. Wouldn't fault anyone for playing that. I'll probably be most confident in the under in this game. Yeah, and, and yeah, again, I agree. I mean, you look at everything Washington's been doing. They're winning games in the teens, and it's why you shouldn't be scared. Forty is a low total to go under, but uh, you know, I, I still think that your your angle is right, and you know, also the. The Giants, you know, from an offensive standpoint, we've talked about this before, really is just Barkley in terms of playmakers. Wondell Robinson now out for the year. Uh, they're using Darius Slayton a lot more. He was a guy back in the in the uh, preseason in July and August. People were saying, well, is this guy even going to make the team? And, you know, obviously the Kenny Galladay investment was really bad. So there's just not a lot of playmakers on these two teams that can put up points in a hurry. No, both these teams, their best playmakers are probably – the running backs, obviously McLaurin, but that means you have to trust Heineke consistently getting in the ball. And granted, he's been winning games and covering games, but I still do not trust him very much. All right, Deshaun Watson returns against his old pals in Houston as the Browns are a touchdown road favorite at NRG Stadium on Sunday. Total of 47.5. You know, we talked about it. The Texans and Mills Mafia might be appealing if Davis Mills was a starter, but I don't think either one of us wants a piece of Kyle Allen here. Uh, and gosh, the, the, the Dolphins were just like, yeah, we got this thing in the third quarter. And I would not read too too much into the fact that Houston put up 15 garbage time points, albeit nearly backdoored that game last week. Having said that, uh, I have no idea what kind of quarterback Deshaun Watson is going to look like on Sunday. Um, so I definitely don't want to give up seven points, <laughs> given that this guy hasn't played a football game in two plus years. But having said that, uh, I also think that the Texans, we talk about Denver as being a dead team. The Texans may be the only deader team in the NFL. So uh, I will pass this game. Yeah, absolutely. I have zero read on this. Obviously, don't love Kyle Allen. But then, yeah, what what to expect from Watson? I I just have no idea. I'm, it's gonna be a take a way braver person than me to play anything in this. You could really talk me into any side or total, and I could completely agree. I could see it going any which way. I mean, I think there's just way too much uncertainty with a quarterback that hasn't played in so long. What are we going to get? I, I just really don't know. And then the Browns' defense is really disappointing this year. I might keep the Texans in the game. We've seen the Texans cover pretty big numbers in the past. It's tough to 
to lay a touchdown on the road, especially with these circumstances. Four-win team. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. That just shows you how dead the Texans are. Yeah. All right, let's get to a pair of division games, one in the NFC North, and then we'll start the late window in the NFC West. The Green Bay Packers go to the Windy City to take on the Chicago Bears. I guess Aaron Rodgers is going to play. Numbers certainly indicates that he will as Green Bay's laying three and a half, total of 44 and a half. And Alex, as much as we love those divisional pooches, Aaron Rodgers owns the Bears, doesn't he? Absolutely owns them. Always has. He probably always will until he decides to part. I saw Aaron Rodgers, he's 22 and 7 against the spread, 24 and 5 straight up against the Bears. I think this number indicates that Fields is going to play as well. I saw that he was practicing today. Uh, this got up to five when Rodgers was announced to be starting, and now it's down back to three. I think you got to lay with the Packers. I'm not really super concerned with the Rodgers injury because, you know, if he does go out, we saw how well Jordan Love just filled right in and offense looked arguably better, if not the same. So I don't think there's a huge drop-off in that department. I mean, Fields is going to have to completely carry this team like he has, but yeah, Aaron Rodgers against the Bears. That's kind of it's kind of an auto play for me. All right, let's go to the uh, not a whole lot for me here. I mean, I, I do understand and respect the auto play on Green Bay, but probably staying away from that clash in the NFC North. Another one I'm probably staying away from is the Seattle Seahawks. Who would have thought if I told you four months ago that in December the Seahawks are going to be touchdown road chalk against the L.A. Rams? You probably look at me like I had three heads, but that's where we're at as the Seahawks are. And, then, and it feels like it feels correct, right? I don't think it does. Outlandish. Yeah, that's the thing. So. I mean, that's why I'm staying away. Seahawks, hefty yeah. road favorite, total of 41. And uh, Alex, I know that Seattle is still in the playoff mix, um, but I, I'm concerned. And to the point where I can't give up a touchdown on the road with them after the way they played last week. I mean, that was Really pathetic on their end against the Raider team that a lot. I think a lot of people thought would be dead. And I guess somebody had to win when the Raiders played the Broncos. But for the Raiders to then go to Seattle, hang 40 on a playoff contender like the Seahawks, uh, that definitely raised a question for me. Yeah, I think that game speaks to how disappointing this Raiders season has been because right, you see they, it, they have all the talent in the world to, to do all together. that. Good. And, yeah, you know, so, I, you know, and, and maybe you're right. Like maybe that it was just, you know, the Raiders putting it together and and Seattle will be OK and they'll win this game and and they'll still be obviously in, in positioning for a wild card, perhaps in the NFC or, or maybe even the division if Miami is to upset San Francisco this weekend. Uh, but I, I can't give up seven points. Uh, I, I think that there's a game and, and it wasn't last week because. Offense wasn't the problem for Seattle, but I do think there's a bad Geno Smith game coming at some point, and maybe the Rams' defense uh, produces that bad Geno Smith game. So I'm staying away. Uh, it's crazy how you know the Rams are kind of in that dead team zone, it feels like, right now. So I can't get there with them either. I'll pass. Yeah, I'm going to completely pass this as well. I really want nothing to do with it. I would consider the Rams when I saw it open at eight, but looking at their injury report, just 
way too many concerns. I highly doubt Stafford's going to go concussion, neck injury. Didn't practice today. Then you look, Cam Akers, Aaron Donald also did not practice today on Thursday. That's an indication they probably will not be playing either. Both huge losses. I don't see how the Rams score points at all. I mean, if you're really being it for some action, maybe look at Rams team total under or full game under 40 and a half. But I'm not laying a touchdown with Geno Smith on the road. I just I can't do it. It's completely could be the right side. I, I just will not be doing that. All right, let's go to the Bay Area where uh... – Probably the marquee game of the late window features the Miami Dolphins taking on the San Francisco 49ers. And it is the Dolphins catching four on the road total in this game, sitting at, uh, excuse me, 46 and a half. Alex, I like the Dolphins here. And I uh, talk a little bit about it this time of year. It's kind of like a dog day's time in the NFL where uh, you're kind of trudging along through the end of the kind of middle third almost of the season. You're about to really hit the final stretch run, but we're not quite there yet, uh, especially with that 18th week. So uh, I, I think the point I'm making is there can be kind of a weariness that, that can kick in. And uh, I think on the opposite of that, I, I think a Dolphins team should be pretty rested because they had their bye in week 11. And then last week was a de facto bye when your starters are only playing two and a half quarters against the Texans. So I like that. I think that they're, Definitely ready to unleash the dogs here against the 49ers and the San Francisco on the other side. Uh, we know they've been having more problems with their running backs. Elijah Mitchell is back on IR. Uh, Christian McCaffrey been dealing with knee irritation. Seems like he's going to be okay. Debo Samuel a little dinked up. So I think the 49ers, excuse me, the Dolphins are the rested and healthier team getting over a field goal. And, you know, I don't think it's, it's certainly not going to be. I think it's too big of a step from week to week for the 49er defense. Like they pitched a shutout last week against the Saints, and we were texting about that. That was just so agonizing being on the Saints. They were begging the Saints to cover, and they couldn't do it. Uh, and, and now they come back, and they have to face these Dolphins weapons, who, as I said, are rested and healthy. I, you know, I, I'm normally one that likes to see good defense beat good offense, but you know, and uh, you know, lump me in with the rest of the modern football fan that is all about the good offense here. Cause I think that the good offense gets the better of the good defense here. I think the dolphins are live to maybe win this game outright. I'm sure Mike McDaniel had this one circled on a while going up against his old buddy, Kyle Shanahan. So maybe there's some trick plays up his sleeve that he's been saving all season for this game. I like the dolphins here catching the four points. I completely agree. I think this number is too high. I would probably look to the, Money line plus 165. Dolphins just way too many weapons. Huge concern for the Niners. Debo Samuel didn't practice today. That's a massive part of their offense. They're going to need him if they're going to exploit this team. I do have concerns about the Dolphins' secondary, which has made some very mediocre guys look great, which would be perfect for Jimmy G. It's not really many more mediocre than him that take advantage with all these weapons around him and make him look like a Super Bowl type of caliber player. I think you have to look for the Dolphins here. I would probably also look to the over 46 and a half feels a little low. I really like both these offenses. I think the Dolphins can, can really score, you know, put up 28 or so. It's a tall task for the Niners to try to keep this team at bay. I mean, 
you saw they've had some struggles earlier in the season last week yeah i mean the saints should have won that fucking game like if it wasn't for you know red zone turnovers missed field goals they didn't score a point and the niners were held to, to 13 against the saints defense that has had some issues throughout the season i i really like the dolphins in this spot i think plus four is a gift Agreement there on Miami. Let's uh, get to a few more late games before we finish up in the primetime window. Uh, we talked about the Raiders, and maybe the odds makers just starting to have a little more faith in the silver and black because Las Vegas is favored by a short one-point line against the L.A. Chargers, total of 50.5 at Allegiant Stadium. And, Alex, this is interesting because – we talked about the Chargers having going going through a lot of shit with injuries this year. Herbert, you know, going all the way back to what was it that Thursday night week two game? I think he had that rib problem against the uh, Chiefs, and Rashawn Slater's out for the year. Joey Bosa's been on IR, um, but none of that really, you know, obviously impacting this line. Uh, you mentioned Mike Williams, uh, you know, he's always in and out of the lineup, but just. Bizarre, and you talked about it before we jumped on. This game got bet through pick. Uh, Raiders opened a short dog. Now they're a short favorite. So, I, I, I don't know. It's pretty funky. It's pretty weird. Normally, I'd be all over the Raiders here when I see this kind of line. But I don't know that I necessarily think that there has been a tangible change here for the Raiders. Because I mentioned last week, okay, good on you for beating Seattle, but... I'm not going to exactly give you a, a, you know, a, a thunderous golf clap for beating the Broncos the week before. So I, I, I lean, I guess, to the Raiders, but probably a pass here. What do you say? I would lean that way as well. I saw this open two and a half for the Chargers being road favorites. Now it's flipped. Kind of a weird movement. I know Mike Williams is trending down, but I think that was kind of from the from the beginning of the week. We kind of figured he would be out, like you mentioned, he's in and out pretty much the entire year. Really, just injury luck is miserable for the Chargers. This is, feels like it happens every single season. There's always key guys, always a ton of guys injured. Yeah, I don't know what to do with this one. I think you have to look to the Raiders, but I think that Seahawks win just speaks to kind of a, a law of averages. The Raiders were yeah. losing some, some close games, and, you know, they have the, the talent. NFL. Yeah, it's still the NFL. Anyone can beat anyone. I think the luck factor is just kind of evening out where they're, they're winning some of these games instead of blowing them like they were early in the season. I'm going to pass. I, I would have to look to the Raiders here, though. Okay, let's go to the AFC Championship rematch in Southwest Ohio as the Cincinnati Bengals host the Kansas City Chiefs. Of course, the Chiefs were the uh, team doing the hosting last year in the conference title game, but it's Kansas City laying one in the hook, total of 52 and a half. Uh, I always love these kind of revenge spots, and I actually was on a revenge game last week involving the Bengals as I lost on the Titans, uh, and you're going to lay the short number with Kansas City uh, for a couple reasons, and, you know, obviously the revenge angle is one, but you made a good point before we jumped on. How often do you just say, hey, Mahomes, win me a game and cash me a ticket? 
Exactly. You see this number being under a field goal, and that's just kind of an autoplay for me. I saw Mahomes is 17-5-1 against a spread as a dog or a favorite of three points or fewer. So just go win me a game, Mahomes. I mean, I don't think there's anyone in the NFL you would trust more to do that between, you know, Mahomes and Reed, one of the better coaches in the NFL, one of the best quarterbacks, if not the best. And then not to mention, you know, Kelsey, they have the biggest mismatch player in the NFL. I don't think since he can keep up. Really like Mahomes in the spot. Love the revenge angle. You know this has been circled since last year. All those Cincinnati defensive backs talking shit yeah. in a game that, you know, the Chiefs could have had. I, I just don't see the, the Bengals being able to stop them on offense. I mean, this, this Bengals... Defense is is pretty solid, but granted, they can definitely be exposed. We saw the Steelers get to them, and that's not some high-flying offense like the Chiefs. And, you know, last week we saw the Chiefs with some terrible red zone turnovers, but that's something you can can certainly clean up. They still cover that game. It's two touchdown favorites. I think this is a game that's been circled and something they've been looking forward to, and I think that's probably why you saw kind of such a vanilla – approach last week against the Rams. I think they hold some really uh, sure. great plays for games like this, spots like yeah, this. Yeah, I felt so Andy Reid, you know, and I could see that. You know, one of those offensive minds that circles games and kind of like I was talking about with McDaniel against uh, Shanahan. I could and you sure. got to think, it's kind of like they had almost two weeks to prepare for right. the Cincinnati game. Cause they're like going you up said, against. they could just vanilla it up against the Rams and exactly. win. Exactly. And- yeah, there was no concern that they were going to lose that game. Against it's not like they really had to like game plan super hard for the Rams. <laughs> right, exactly. You know they were sneaking in some Cincinnati prep. stuff, right. Yeah, so I love this spot. Just win the game. All right, let's go to the Big D where the Cowboys on Sunday Night Football. <laughs> it's the Cowboys, so they're not going to flex this thing out as uh, they are a 10.5-point home favorite against Indianapolis, total of 44 Gosh, Alex, a lot of the Jeff Saturday air is out of the balloon after he wins the opener in his coaching. That was cool. That was quick, right? It was. was, It was. I mean, he was the biggest guy on Twitter for two weeks. Right. Yeah. And, you know, I I think it really changed when they let that game against the Eagles get away, a game that they definitely should have won. And uh, Philly goes down the field and gets a Jalen Hurts touchdown to. To steal it in Indy, and then last week, obviously screwing up the clock. And you know, I will say, I thought the Steelers were the better team, and uh, we had the Steelers in our contest. I mean, uh, it felt like the right side. To Indianapolis's credit, the Colts came out in that third quarter and really responded well. But uh, you know, we've mentioned it a couple times: Broncos, Texans, maybe the Rams, dead teams. I kind of feel like the Colts are a dead team right now. And you look at their roster, and it's crazy, right? Because just a year ago, they had seven pro bowlers, and they're a 15 or whatever point road favorite last game of the season against Jacksonville. Win, and you're in the playoffs. But now I sit here and say, what do you hang your head on if you're the Colts? Jonathan Taylor, that's great, but he's still a running back. Their wide receiver room is subpar. Their offensive line is not nearly what it used to be. Uh, A couple players on defense, you know, Shaq Leonard has been hurt a lot. Like, it's just a very uninspiring football team. And so, uh, you know, when I look at Dallas, 
coming off of a pretty impressive game against the Giants, particularly with the second half. Um, I think the Cowboys in the first half might make some sense in terms of just carrying over some momentum that they had built up in the second half of the Giants game, albeit 10 days in between. But I, I could see Dallas really, if you're the Cowboys, you don't want to mess around here like the Eagles messed around against the Colts and nearly lost. Uh, I could see them stepping on their throats early here, but I, I don't know. It's a Sunday night game. Maybe I'm just talk myself into Cowboys first half just for some Sunday night action. But uh, this is a, a pretty, pretty boring Sunday night game. Let's just say that. Yeah, unfortunately, it's a standalone, so I have to bet it. I do like your your first half angle. Wonder what the line is on. I'm seeing big rest of Cowboys too. Thanksgiving to Monday night for Indy. Yeah, especially you know at home. Yep, love that huge rest advantage. Colts, like you mentioned, just a dead team. Something worth noting. Kenny Moore, one of their better corners, didn't practice today. That's a pretty significant injury for a, a Dallas offense that has all the weapons in the world. Certainly don't love laying 10 points in really any NFL game. I do like your first half angle. Six and a half, just lead the first half by a touchdown. I don't know how the Colts are going to score. Dallas has one of the better secondaries in the NFL and an absolutely great pass rush. And we saw what the Steelers pass rush was doing to Matt Ryan in that first half of the game. And Dallas is by far a, a way better pass rush right now than the Steelers are. I think they'll, they'll give him fits. I, I don't see the Colts moving the ball that well. Maybe look to Indy team total under or Dallas first half. I just don't love laying 10 and a half against anyone really. Let's wrap up with a divisional game on Monday Night Football. The New Orleans Saints travel to Tampa to take on the Bucks. Saints are catching four on the road, total of 40 and a hook. And Alex, I don't know that either one of these teams are dead, um, but it, they kind of feel like they're just like extras in a movie, right? Where it's just like they're just kind of walking around and like, you know, if the NFL were a movie, like, your stars would be space. Yeah, exactly. You know, like your stars bodies. would be the Eagles, the Bills, the Chiefs, you know, all those guys. And then you just have the Saints and Bucks kind of chilling, walking around, not doing a whole lot. That's what these two teams have been all season. And, you know, I think for me, it's going to be a lean to New Orleans and it's a Monday night game. So I might just play it because of the fact that we have seen Dennis Allen really stifle Tom Brady. Even in their game they played this year, it was back in week two, and Jameis Winston was the reason New Orleans didn't win the game. He threw a pick six and dug the Saints a hole. I, I think there's still some of that Dennis Allen defense against Tom Brady that we've seen the last couple of years really bode well for the Saints, so I like that angle. And on a, like just plain and simple, I don't care how bad the division is. The Bucs should not be laying four points in a division game. They lost 21 to three at Carolina earlier this year. And right when you thought, okay, maybe they're putting it together a little bit. They let the fucking Browns come back on them last week. And they let David and Joku, you know, fourth and 10. And the Browns convert that and send the game to overtime. And then they win in overtime. It felt like, 
okay, like Brady will go down the field and they'll get out of here with a win. That didn't happen. And the Bucks are just kind of, like I say, they're these, these are two extras in a movie. Like, they're just chilling. And I can't give up four points with either one of them and feel good about it. You're going to give me the Dennis Allen defense angle against Brady. I guess I'll plug my nose and take the Saints. But this is obviously not the Monday night game the schedule makers were hoping for five months ago. No, absolutely not. If this was a 1 p.m. game, I wouldn't even look at it for a second. (laughs) I wouldn't watch it at all. But, you know, standalone games, kind of have to. I think you do have to plug your nose and take the points. Tampa is not, I mean, they're not beating anyone, let alone, you know, beating teams by margin. You're getting over a field goal. I think the under is probably a good spot to look. It's just so weird. I mean, someone has to win this division. It's not like Tampa lost a ton of guys to injury or anything. Obviously, the O-line is completely different. So that's a huge, huge reason to their struggles. But, you know, all the skill positions are still there. They got all those defenders they had last year where they looked way more dominant than they have been. I think the defense has just been on the field too long. The offense can't really do anything. puts the defense in terrible spots. But can Andy Dalton in prime time exploit that? That's a that's a big concern of mine. I'm not so sure. Yeah, yeah. Again, there's a reason we say it's a plug your nose side. So uh, with that, that is going to wrap it up for NFL Week 13 on Full Slate, a Blue Wire Gambling Podcast. He's Alex Uplinger at Alex underscore up seven at full underscore slate underscore pod. I'm Greg Frank at G underscore Frank six at undercover Greg on gambling Twitter. As I said, this has been full slate, a blue wire gambling podcast. Enjoy a loaded sports weekend. Alex, we'll do it again next week. Be well, my man. Yeah. Take care, man. Best of luck with your bets. All right. Again, he's Alex Uplinger. I'm Greg Frank. This has been full slate, a blue wire gambling podcast. Enjoy the weekend. Go USA. And of course, please play responsibly.